I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I am joined, as ever, by Matt Vincenzi, who has a different display name right now on Skype, which uh, we'll come to a little bit later on. But Matt, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's first of all, Wells Fargo didn't go particularly well for me. Um, oh, JJ Spawn just withdrew. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to so, make this podcast even shorter, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Draftings wasn't great for me, although I did hit a Tommy Fleetwood first round leader, so he finally gave oh, me some more Yeah, well done on that. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, nice to see him pay off early. And he still owes me a little bit of money, but I'll take what I can get. He played well though, again, didn't he? Like it's it's good to see him playing well. He just needs to uh, just needs to get over the line again. It's going to be one of those long nagging things, but could be someone to look at for next week maybe as we uh, yeah. looking ahead for that. But um, that breaking news of JJ Spawn pulling out means that. Uh, one of my picks is now already out, so that's good. One of my picks in Europe is already out, thanks to the uh, PGA qualification. So, yeah, it's going to be a short week, I think. Um, Jordan Spieth was the biggest withdrawal from this. He pulled out with a wrist injury that I'm sure will be healed by Monday next week. Um, yeah, I mean, I was taking the lazy way out here, and I was like, I'm taking Jordan Spieth at 10-1 to 1 and Michael Kim at 100-1. to 1. Wrote it up, ready to go set it to publish in the morning, and then all of a sudden I get the news. I'm like, okay, now I actually have to do some research on this thing. <laughs> and I just dive back in all last night. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we had a good, good couple of chats about some players in me last night, and now obviously there's just some discussions here. But I suppose now it leaves only two players above 10K, which is Scotty Scheffler at 11-9 and Tyrrell Hatton at 10-1. Um, do you play Scotty? I'm not going to play him, I don't think. He just, he's so expensive. He's going to be so popular. That combo... Is not good for me. Twelve thousand almost. Geez, I mean, he's really expensive. Um, he is the class of the field. He deserves to be that price. But for me, if he doesn't win, he's not worth it. And I don't think he's going to win. There, there was a tweet. I can't remember exactly who it was. So forgive me for not kind of citing the their account because it was a good tweet. But um, it might be wrong, class maybe. But it was basically the performances in weaker fields by Scotty Scheffler and. They were pretty poor, so there's that notion to it that maybe he just doesn't really care in these type of events. That it's, you know, it's a week before a major as well, and he's obviously a big contender for that as well. So, yeah, it was wrong cross. PJ splits 101, uh, tweets out. So, Scotty Scheffler's finishing position in the last 10 events in a weak or average field with easy scoring conditions. So, 2023 was 11th at the Amex, third at the Mayakoba, pretty impressive. But 2022, 15th here, 25th at the Amex, 57th at the RSM, 4th Mayakoba, miscut Shriners. 2021, 47th in this Miscat Amex, Miscat Um Is it a case of just when a golf course is easy, everybody's good at golf, so he loses his edge? I think that's what it is, and I think um, for him, it might be getting up for the event. Obviously, he's kind of a big game hunter at this point uh, in his career. And he his two starts here have been somewhat underwhelming as well. So, I mean, he's a Texas guy, and he hasn't really taken to this course whatsoever. I've never really thought of him as a birdie fest guy. And I, like you said, I think the fact that it's so easy that, you know, most guys can get there kind of makes things a little bit mitigated. Yeah, I feel like he just kind of supports the event and good on, good on him for doing that. But, I mean, he shot a 65 in, on Saturday last year, which is pretty good. But he was playing the best golf of his career and probably still is. But... 
I would say somewhere between 15th and 1st is probably where he'll finish. And if he's not 1st, then I'm not really interested. So I'm out on him as well. Cyril Hatton's an interesting one because on the PGA Tour and in big events, he's kind of one of those, again, like Shefflet needs a kind of tougher test to really come to the fore. But on the DP World Tour, he kind of laps up these kind of events. So it's a bit of a bit of a conundrum for him. Like he was third last week again, 36th hole leader at the Wells Fargo. 19th for the Heritage, final round 66. He was 34th at the Masters, which never really suited him that much. And before that, he was obviously on the heater going into the match play. Is he playing two Worlds Week North? I mean, the, the last missed cut was the Texas Open, if that kind of gives any doubts to him, I guess. No, he's not playing two Worlds to ignore. I have no problem ignoring him. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I don't mind I don't mind him, but I mean, I don't know. I don't feel compelled to play him, really. Uh, I don't think you have to go above 10K here with those two guys. Um I don't know. I, I know, like you said, he's he's won some birdie fest on the European tour, but I don't see him really getting to 2,600 in an event like this. And I, I don't. I still yeah. don't. I think I think the person that's most likely to in this kind of top range, one is KH Leagues. He's done it twice already. But I guess Tom Kim is probably the other one. But again, I'm I'm assuming he's probably going to be at least one of the most popular choices, if not the most popular. No. It doesn't really seem like it right now. I mean, I think everyone's going to play Scheffler. Um, I think him and Hatton will be a toss-up. Uh, everything else is really just spread out for the most part, and it's it's tough because there's you know I'm still seeing Spieth generating ownership. Not everyone has kind of caught up to that yet. Um, it's a very weird week. If Tom Kim is not that popular, I'd be pretty tempted to play him just because it is right in his wheelhouse. It's the type of thing that he does. He was 17th here last year, played better at the Wells Fargo. We we sort of spoke about the fact that he was kind of sort of losing his well, not losing his way a little bit, but the kind of Ron was coming to an end, if you like, but I think he's just playing well enough that in a field of this uh, magnitude and an event that kind of suits his playing style, he could be a good option. Yeah, definitely could be. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I liked it, that uh, approach numbers last week bounce back from, you know, they haven't really been great prior to that. Um, won't be unowned or he'll be, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18%. So not damaging, but, but busy enough. It's, what do we make of Hideki? Like, are we just not willing to take the risk with him with the injury, or do we do we try and do it because this is the sort of event he should win? He was third last year, and I don't know. I, I, I just again, I think he's another one that probably is gearing up for next week and just probably checking out his fitness before uh, playing rather than anything else. He probably is. He's really difficult to trust, um, but he. I would be playing him if I thought everybody was going to just completely overlook him. But it, as of now, it doesn't look like that's the case. Um, Maybe everyone's thinking the same way. Yeah. So if people are playing him, then I'm, I'm probably not going to. I mean, I really don't like – I think I'm just going to go mostly balance and just skip 9,600 and below and just not go to any of those guys. Yeah, I'm out on Jason Day. Um, yeah. KH Lee is what it is. You've got to make your own mind up whether you want to play him or not. It makes sense that he was going to play well again. I was impressed with Adam Scott last week. I was too. He, he is, uh, his irons were back, which has kind of been a while since we've seen that from him. And it's yeah. really one of the, you know, definitely one of the most telling signs from him if he's really going to be back. I'd like to see it more than just once, considering he lost strokes on approach in five straight events prior prior to. And, uh, and plus yeah. the fact he's quite expensive, man. For like yeah. what Adam Scott is these days, like I thought 92 was, a, I thought that was a benefit of him being probably overpriced compared to what he should be. Um, the fact that he finished fifth in a straight week goes in 9200, but he was good at the Heritage for the most part um, as well. So I would, I'd be tempted by him, although again I don't think he's the type that goes in these birdie fests and 
I know we saw it at the Wyndham not that long ago, but um, yeah. You'd think I'm, so, but, it, but the, uh, I looked into this because I was thinking about Scott, and I was trying to think, when's the last time he's gotten to 20 under? And I couldn't find a time. Even at the Wyndham, that playoff was 15 under. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder what, what – let's have a look. Let's see. Well, see who came around on, yeah? Yeah. Oh, Good. so CJ Cup, he got the 21 under there, but there was um, 12 guys uh, who got to 20 under or above when Rory won at uh, Summit Club. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's not kind of what he does then. It's just not – that's just not him, and we kind of know that about him. Like, that's not a particularly big secret, Adam Scott. Like he's always been a classical player. There has been some really like promising crossover for Riviera uh, in the results here, which doesn't make a ton of sense because, um, you know, it's it's not particularly an event that stands up or a type of test. But there is just like well, I looked basically where KH Lee's plays his best golf outside of here is Riviera and Phoenix. I think Phoenix is the a lot more predictable and I think I would chuck that in with kind of like Hideki and things like that but um but yeah there's some crossover Riviera to be interesting at least yeah and speaking of KH Lee um if this sums up how I feel about him so on Monday morning I had a, I had a uh a local book that was offering um they offer like repeat winners yeah so like if you want to bet Billy Horse at Memorial was 33 to 1 so they had repeat winner for this event KH Lee 50 to 1 on Monday morning and I knew he was going to be 20 or 22, and I saw the 50, and I looked at it, and I said, no, thanks. So even at 50, I was out. So that's that's kind of how I feel about him this week. I'm, I don't know. I, I just think three in a row would be way too much to ask for him, not just winning, but I, I'm out on him um, for the most part this week. He's not been good either. Like, I know he wasn't yeah. particularly in great form before that, and he's just come good at these golf courses. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not too keen to dive into him either. So um, if he three-peats, he three-peats, I'll kind of happily get beat by that. Uh, Matt Kuchar and Seamus Power kick off the nines and, and eight nines, and I like both of them. I completely agree. Neither one is going to be incredibly popular. I will play both of them together, and that's how I'm probably going to start most of my lineups. I feel very comfortable with that. I don't think you need to. I think there's a week you can leave plenty of money on the table if you want. I don't think you have to say, oh, i got to have a guy who's 9,500 or above in my lineup. I don't think it's really necessary at all this week. Um, you know, I think... Kutra just as good of a chance as, you know, some of those other guys to play really well. Can he win? I, I doubt that. And I couldn't get behind betting him at like 28 or 30 to one because I don't know. I just think his ceiling might be top five, but I'm definitely interested in playing him. See, I, I do think he can still win. And now that Spieth's out, I, I think that only gets better. Um, Spieth was the only one I was really tempted to bet from the real top of the board, like you, like you said. And I think he's perfectly suited to birdie first. I think he's perfectly suited to to Texas, but I, we, we've spoken about this all, all year, really, with Kutcher, is that when he comes to the golf courses, he plays well. Historically, he's playing well, and it's as simple as that, and I do think that he's still capable, even if his twilight years are winning, so whilst the 30-1 to 1 is is short, um, in terms of what Matt Kutcher, you know, what you used to with Matt Kutcher, I actually thought it was relatively fair. Like, I feel like there's been a couple of events where we've seen him at like 35 and 40-1 to 1 that we were disappointed we couldn't bet him, um, and it was stronger fields than this, so I was yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by it. No, it is a fair number. I, I bet him at 30 to 33 to one at the Valero when he finished third. Yeah. Um, and he he gained 7.6 on approach that week. He just really good. And I, I think I don't know if this turned me off to him or what, but like I felt like at that week at the Valero, there's like no way he could have played any better. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He may have, but then I just don't know who goes ahead of him and just maybe he just can't get to 2600. Maybe he's a 22, 23 under guy and, and that's it now. But. 
Um, I mean, I'm still interested in him. And then Seamus Power was the next one for me in the sense that, I, you know, we spoke about it earlier in the week uh, over messages. Like, he was 18th for the Wells Fargo, decent returns of form. His ball striking hasn't been there as much as, as you wanted this season, but 20th for Phoenix, 14th for Riviera, the two kind of crossover events I saw. He's still in 15th for Pebble in a relatively weak field, 18th for an elevated event last uh, last week as well. And then when you look at the kind of birdie fest events, Bermuda, ten, um, Mike Ober and, and RSM, well, maybe not birdie fest, but kind of like the, the kind of easier test to start the season, that's where he's first, third and fifth. So I think he'll play really well. Yeah, Barbasol, he won. Um, yep. That winning score was 21 under. Uh, and I think that's what you'll see this week. It'll be a couple lower because they changed that par five to a par four, which changes the score. And people think like, oh, it's, it's tougher this year. No, it's exactly the same. Just one's a par five and a uh, par yeah. four instead of a par five. Um, but yeah, exactly what I saw. And I, after um, Spieth withdrew, I was like, all right, I got to put spend this money somewhere. I'm still extremely underexposed. I'm not doing a full, really full card here because I just don't feel like I have to. Um, but I did bet him at 40 to one. And I feel pretty good about that because like you said, great on easy courses. Um, and not to mention, he's been good on this course. His course history, I think he's ninth and 14th in his two starts here. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's right. Let me just double check. Um, yeah, ninth and 17th. So he was okay. he was ninth in 2021. He started with a 65, uh, shot 65, 68, 67, and then a final round 70 to kind of just stick inside the top 10. And then last year, a very similar start, 66, 67, 69, and then finished with a 68 as well. So it's only because the scoring was so good over the weekend that he kind of fell away a bit. It wasn't for any fault of his own, I don't think. Yeah, and you said ball striking numbers really aren't what you'd want them to be, even, but that's not really how he does things anyway. I mean, even when he won that Barbasol, he, he gained 3.4 in approach, 3.1 off the tee, like nothing crazy, just kind of steady all around, uh, made some putts, and I think that's kind of the way he does things. And also, I just think, I was, I was having this conversation with Jason on, uh, on the betting podcast, and like I think these players that are generally pretty good with their wedges and short irons, etc., on moat like on you know at their best they'll come to these easy tests and find it again they don't necessarily have to be in this kind of great ball striking form coming into the event to find it like if a course is easy and they're used to playing that way i think there's just a mindset switch sometimes at these sort of tests so he gets here knows things are tougher takes the pressure off when you've been playing kind of like wells fargo and heritage and augusta and all these sort of things and it's been a bit tougher you kind of probably have to switch on and lower confidence a little bit so um i think things change I think that 18th last week is, should be really big for his confidence, kind of getting back into the swing of things. He was hot for a while, then was kind of a couple months where he wasn't playing his best, and I think he kind of can work back into form. I do too. I, I don't like the the other starts, so McNeely, Montgomery, I don't like 88, 87. I know Benny Ann has been um, showing up in kind of like off the tee numbers and things like that, but again, I don't think necessarily, I know he's had 6th, 13th and 33rd, but I don't think I necessarily want to jump to him. I think I think he's a good enough option at eight six if you, if you do like him, but I don't see him as any real better than kind of going to Tom Hoagie at eight five or someone like a Jaeger at eight two. First thing I want to say with the Taylor Montgomery thing, I mean, geez, I say it all. I'm sorry, I got I keep doing it, but this guy sucks at golf. I mean, and and he's good, you know, at certain things. And when I say sucks at golf, that's relative to the best players in the entire world. Obviously, he's yeah. a great golfer, but He's lost strokes on approach in eight of his past 10 events, including his last four. He's lost 4.1, 6.5. He just, and people say he's so great off the tee. He's lost off the tee in four of his past six starts. I mean, the only time the guy plays well and finishes in the top 50 is when he gains 
seven or eight strokes putting. And that's basically it. He's like Denny McCarthy, except McCarthy once in a while will gain strokes with his irons. This guy never does. So Brian, Brian Gay. Yeah, but gives him gives the impression he hits it further. Um, it's yeah, I mean, I think you called it from the start of the season that like people getting too carried away on him. You can't deny his run of form and how impressive he was, but there was always a reason why his finishes were capped. I think it's because he just doesn't put the ball close enough. Like, yeah, you can gain a ton of strokes putting when you're putting from ridiculous you know footage of every now and then and, and luck boxing them in, I guess. So. Um, that isn't always indicative of a good thing. They're also good at strokes compassing, I guess, is the way I would say. Why is he 8,600? He's missed four of his past six cuts. Because there's no one else here? <laughs> I know. It's just, it's in but, the, I still but, feel betting him at 40 to 1. I don't get it. I don't I don't know why you'd go. Like People give up on people like Hoagie and, and things like that so quickly. Like I get that he's not been playing his best stuff, but he's still the best approach player in the, on tour this season overall. And I know that's going to change in probably three, four, five events time, but yeah, I'd probably still go there. Jaeger's really interesting to me. Like, he's been so consistent and his ball striking numbers are good. I just can't see him winning because he doesn't on this level. Like, he's, he's a six-time winner on a conference tour. Like, if he gets in front, I trust him, but he just doesn't seem to get there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Ben on. I mean, he is going to be the lowest zone of all these guys. Um, then, so that, he, then that makes it pretty interesting. I mean, even but his approach numbers are still not great. It's more off the tee he's doing things good, right? Yeah, but these these Koreans in Texas, I mean, they 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 all live there. That's really kind of where they play um, really good golf in Texas. The last three winners of this, I know two. I know it's when Sung Kang won. It wasn't at this course, but all Korean. Oh. Um, so the ownership is kind of interested in. And no one's playing McNeely, which is fine. I he's not going to. He's not tempting enough for me to play just because he's a little ownership. But Ben on, I can see kind of get in the mix this week. So I might play a little bit of him. I'd definitely rather play on than McNeely. Like McNeely yeah. seems broken, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I do like, and I just don't think he wins. So it depends. It depends what you're looking for at eight six now. Like if if you're skipping the the tens and above like we are, then you probably need three guys that you believe can win. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that that's probably the issue. Um, that's why I loved JJ Spawn eight. I thought he could win, but he's now out. What about Hadwin? Nobody's playing him. Um, his form has just kind of fell off the map. But he does like these sort of courses, doesn't he? Like he lo- he loves this type of test. He's very similar to JJ Spawn and kind of Hoagie in that kind of respect. They they like these types of tests. Easier, bit wider off the tee. Um, has to go low. He came. Was he like he? They came second or third of that uh, Jurek Classic as well. Like yeah, that's true. It's I don't, I don't necessarily put too much stock in that, but it's not that long ago that he was like 13th for the players. I know he's missed a couple of cuts since, but it's very much just like I don't think the heritage suits him. I don't think Quail Hollow suits him. Valspar, you obviously wanted him to do better, but he was 12th after round one. He just had a bad second day, so it's maybe just playing a little bit better. Like even when he was 66th at Riviera, he opened with a 67. He was seventh after day one. Like it, there's still flashes of form. So I think Hadwin's interesting. Yeah, all those are pretty good points. He was seventh in at the Houston Open back in November, so yeah, um, played well in Texas there. Uh, no one's gonna be playing him. He was fourth at Valero in yeah. uh, last year in April. So yeah, some good Texas form for him. Um, and he's looking like he's coming in at incredibly low ownership, like basically nothing. So I think that makes some sense. And the things I, you know, the two courses are kind of flashed up. I keep going back to like Riviera. He's played well there in the past and Phoenix, he was the third six hole leader, wasn't he? The earlier this season and finished 10th. So um, I really like him. I think, I think now that I can't play Spawn, he would be my pivot. Yeah. Nice pivot there. I like that. Um, 
rather than going through everyone, who are you most interested in? Maybe from because Whedon how at eight down to kind of like seven five. Seabass looks like he's going to be really popular. He did um, rate out for me incredibly well on multiple different stats that I was looking at, uh, but you know I I can ignore stats. I only like to use stats when they fit my my case. <laughs> he, he he's this is about as tense as, as i've ever been to play crazy popular like 22 23 percent but that but like that immediately puts me off he missed the cut when he back went over to the the dp world tour well, it was the japan's or technically but he missed the cut that final round 64 maybe papering over some cracks at the heritage as well i do just think it's his type of thing he likes a little bit of a birdie fest every now and then um i know people give him this kind of like he's great in tough conditions things but i don't think he necessarily is um I think it could be good for him, but uh, the high ownership is basically a no, so we can we can skip that. Uh, Riley going to be popular as well? Not, yeah, somewhat. Maybe like just just in the double digits, so nothing, um, you know, prohibitive. Uh, I just feel like he was good here last year, I know, but I feel like he got his win in the team event. Um, I don't know. Scott Stallings. He was good in Phoenix. You mentioned that as a link. Riviera, he's played well before. Yeah, he's fallen off a little bit in terms of recent form, but I could definitely see him coming here and playing really well. He says he loves this place. Okay. I, I'm back. I'm backing him for a first round leader. Is my I like that uh, avenue for him. I think he. I think he gets off to a hot start. He's had some. He's had some decent rounds without really like not at the start of the season where he looked like he was going to come back and win again or was end of last season. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it's not anything like that. But um yeah he's just playing some decent golf like he made the cut of players didn't do an awful lot with it but then he was uh 26th at the masters which is a really good performance for him he was fifth uh fifth after round one at the heritage uh and even went into the final round in, you know 31st he's a poor final day so yes he did miss the cut in that team event but he hasn't played since might have been good to down some tools um and like you say he he played well in phoenix he was second after day one um, finished 23rd and he was 15th for Pebble Beach as well so I think Stallings could definitely in a field that's particularly weak this year I feel like he can, can step up he's had some nice finishes in Texas yeah um, throughout his career uh, Byron Nelson 2021 he was third he uh, Charles Schwab 2022 he was fourth so he definitely likes Texas so I think that's that's good and he also seems like the guy and this I might not have the information to back this up but he seems like the guy who just likes to come to these weaker field events finish top 10 kind of keep his card and hang around like he likes to prey on these weaker fields and get in the mix yeah no, i don't think i think he would probably be the first person to admit that okay yeah. i don't think anyone wants to admit they're not quite good enough to compete at the highest level but i think he knows that like i think i think he's just very content with making a living if he picks up a win every three or four years in a in an event like this and great um i think back in the days he's probably his um expectations and targets were higher but you know, he, he's realistic. What is he, like 38, 39? He's not a young player. Like, he knows where his bread is buttered, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to play him. I like that play. Brandon Wu. It's not Mexico anymore. Yeah, he's not for me. I see everyone going back to him. I told you guys I'd tell you when it's time to play him. That time was Mexico. I, we played I, him. I prefer Dylan Wu. Yeah, I, I prefer neither of them, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, Seems fair enough. Um, Dylan just ownership wise uh he's gonna be crazy popular at that price yeah um so in our i i looked in a little sneak peek our the action network we have our um like our you know our group staff picks or whatever and i saw in the google doc that spencer uh, aguiar who's usually pretty sharp has him as his fate of the week um 
and he said that was just turn, that was just because of DK ownership just getting a little bit out of control. So I tell you, one player that's ha- having some good results and he's up here in his kind of price range is uh, Song Yoon Kim, who again with some of these kind of South Koreans in Texas. Like I don't know if he's one that he's based here, but um, if he's not, he probably knows a couple of the guys that are and may have got out here and just done some practice. Like 7600, I thought he was decent. Sam Stevens is going to be popular, I think, at 7600 and. Probably rightly so. The way that he's playing, I think he's he's from around this area or played in this area as well. So um, I get both of those guys at 7600. I like SH Kim, and um, I, I was talking about this earlier. And uh, like all the South Koreans, they all just flock to Texas. And I was wondering like why that's the case. I mean, even the ones like I was thinking about Michael Kim earlier, and he was grew up his whole life in California, and then all of a sudden he comes just goes to Texas, that's where the rest of South Koreans are. Like, what makes... So I was thinking, like, it's just an instinct to, you know, to all go to the same place. But then I then I was talking to somebody, like, oh, no, it's definitely just state taxes. Like, okay, <laughs> that, makes, that makes, makes a lot more sense. Makes uh, so, sense. so SH Kim probably lives there, and I do like playing him, considering he's very um, low-owned. And he um, just... He likes his birdie fest as well. 20 under at the Shrine is he was fourth. Um... 20 under again at the the New Orleans event. Obviously, that's a pairing, but like 12 under at Sony was a, a pretty low scoring event. Finished 12th there. So, seems to play his best stuff when the opportunities arise to score well. 15th for the Valero. And I'm pretty sure he's decent off the tee as well, is one of his things. So, um, I like his. He's good off the tee, but his approach numbers are really awful. They are, but. I think that's mitigated. Like you obviously want someone who's hitting the ball well on approach, but like when you come to an event where everyone can hit it pretty easily here, um, I think that kind of changes things. I agree. I mean, I think you could make a six Kim lineup this week <laughs> and you'd probably cash. I think. Amazing. Is there six Kims in the field? Uh, let's have a look. S H Michael Siwoo. There's Tom. four, four unfortunately. Tom Kim, Siwoo Kim, SH Kim, and Michael Kim. Okay, put Ben on in there and. Uh, so um, just full career. Is Sang Moon Bay playing? Yeah, he is. There you go. Full, I was looking at career. him actually. There you um, go. So I, I like that. I like him. The low ownership, like you said, the approach numbers might not matter at a course this easy. So yeah, why not? And I do like Stevens. He's definitely going to be popular. But like you said, he's from Fort Worth, Texas. Last time he played in Texas was the Bolero a few weeks ago, and he finished in second place, gained 8.6 strokes on approach, 5.9 putting. I mean, I just think he's a, he's a really good play. And I think Pat said something about, like Pat Maris said something about him playing like better on the longer golf courses, like when he gets over 7,400 yards or something. So although this is not a long, difficult golf course, like I think that's something that's actually rung true. Um, I haven't actually checked it in for myself, but it would make sense based on Corrales and and Valero, they, they stretch over a decent amount, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know how true it is, um, but I, think, I could also just be mislistening to that. Like, it was one of those ones I heard in the background. So. No, he did say it. I heard it, too. Okay. Um, I, but I looked into it, and I did, didn't necessarily really completely agree with it. But I, I think partly it's those are courses where you can take driver off the tee. And, yeah. you can't, like, you know, I, that's his biggest strength is he, he bombs it. So I think... Anywhere yes. where he's allowed to let the, it rip. The idea makes sense. Like he's he's better when he can unleash that rather than yeah. someone has to be technical is probably the, the, the kind of overwhelming point from that. Um, star of the show, the main event, and the reason you are named differently on Skype this week. How many does Michael Kim win by? 
Yeah, so that that sparked our conversation earlier on Michael Kim, and I, he's he's my display name this week uh, in in our in our meeting, um, is because uh, Michael Kim, I, I just I, I love him this week, um, and I, I messaged DraftKings there as a joke to say, can we get a, a win by three plus four hundred to one? I think that's fair, um, <laughs> pretty fair number there, and uh, I, I love him this week, and I he's a little more popular than I expected him to be, which isn't great, but when you're this deep into it, you just gotta keep riding with it, but this is the perfect spot for him, isn't it? it? So I think people forget that he won the John Deere by eight strokes at 27 under. Like yeah. ultimately, I know that was five years ago, but he's playing like he was five years ago. And I think what I always say about players is yes, that like five years is a long time in golf, but when someone's been so torrid for so so long, you have to cast your mind back to you think about what JJ Spawn was like. You know, everyone's kind of saw that as a bit of a shock that he won in the Valero in 2022. You look back at what he was like at the start of his career, and he was very promising, like 2016, 2017. It was just the fact that he was misdiagnosed with uh, type 2 diabetes rather than type 1, right? And I don't know what's happened to Michael Kim. I don't know if it was injuries, yips, whatever it was, but he just completely lost his game for two or three years. Go back to what he's done best in the past, and it's playing well at these sort of tests. Then you look at the fact he was 12th at the Valero Texas, uh, 12th at the Houston Open, 21st at the Valero. Um, he's got that John Deere effort. And then you look at the fact that he was actually 27th here after 36 holes on debut. And that was in 2021. He'd missed seven weekends in a row before that event. So although he, although he finished like 68th or whatever, like he, he got it going for two rounds. And to me, you're now looking at a guy that's made seven cuts in a row. Um 12th in approach and 28th in tee screen over the past 15 weeks on my stats. Like, 5th and 7th in his last five starts. He's at 11th at Pebble earlier in the year. I genuinely believe he can win. Like, it's not one of those long shots that I think um, can just play well and you look good for them finishing 12th. I think he can win. I genuinely believe he is winning. And uh, I my preview this week, because it was, it was Jordan and him, and then when I had to take Jordan out, I was like, this is going to become a love letter to Michael Kim. <laughs> um, so many things I like about him here. I mean, but he, his pedigree as a golfer is, like, insane. Well, he, he was, like, when he was at college, wasn't he, like, one of the best? Like, wasn't he in Max Homer's college, like, a couple of years before him? Maybe, yeah, he kicked his like, ass every day. He was a second-ranked yeah. second college player in the country, and Homer was 14th. They're on the same team. Yeah. Um, he was much better than Homer, uh, and he was on the Walker Cup team with Justin Thomas. Yeah. And he was, a, again, the second-best player on that Walker Cup team, better than Justin Thomas, better than Max Homer. And, and um, he was 17th in the U.S. Open as an amateur. Yeah, I mean he was he was unbelievable. He won, won the Haskins Award that year, the first player from Cal to win it in 43 years. Um, won both the uh, um, the Haskins and the Nicholas Award. Um, you know, and again, second best player on that Walker Cup team in 2013. That one, um, highest ranked guy on that on that team. He actually, uh, I'm just looking at that right. That just sorry to interrupt, but he won yeah. every game. He won every game. Yeah, he beat Cam Shinkwin to him on the singles. Him and Max Homer won their Monday foursomes, and then he won the the singles over Gary Porteous. Now, that was a pretty dire uh, GB&I Walker Cup team. It had Matt Fitzpatrick in it, but otherwise it was pretty poor. Um, But it wasn't a bad American team. Like It was a hard team to get onto. And Justin Thomas, Jordan E. Bruges at the time was pretty good. Max Homer, Patrick Rogers, like, what a team. So... Yeah, I, I think people forget because he just had this really poor period of time where he really struggled. People forget how good he was. And this is like what we, we said about Max Homer. Like Max Homer had a decent enough pedigree coming out. It wasn't as anywhere near as good as Michael Kim's. But like 
he had all those missed cuts in a row or whatever and everyone kind of gave up on him and then he wins a tournament. I see no reason why Michael Kim can't go and win four or five PJ Tour events in his career. He's only 29. That's what I was going to say. He just turned 29. He's like still incredibly young. You would look at, you know, 15 years ago and say a guy who's in his late 20s is kind of really just starting his PJ Tour career and that's kind of the way things gone. I know the Morikawas and Hoblins of the world has made us a little bit spoiled in that regard, but um, I think he can come back and become a really, really good player. Um, and then the seventh last week at Wells Fargo, what's that going to do for his confidence? He gained 7.2 strokes ball striking, which is the most he's ever gained in his career, including that minus 28 finish at the John Deere Classic. Um, lives in Texas now. Um, so I, 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 I wonder if it just came to like that win came too soon for him. Like he would have only been like what 25 years old, 25 years of age. Like everything seemed pretty easy for him at the time. Like he actually got into the US Open as an amateur by being a code medalist. He was 10th going into the final round, comes straight out on tour, does pretty well on the web, gets his full-time card on the PGA, wins two years after. Like Maybe it just comes too quick because like it was in 2019, he missed 20, 19 of his 20 cuts. Yeah. Like, And then all of a sudden in 2021, only nine of his 30 starts, he makes a cut. It's just sometimes you just need to be your ass kicked just to reinvent, like reinvent yourself. And I think that's what's happened. Like when you when you like follow him on Twitter – He's someone that seems quite thoughtful about the game and methodical in his approach and things like that. So I think Michael Kim is, I think he's a potential for these guys that's suddenly going to come and win two or three times in short space, of, you know, short period of time. So I love Michael Kim this week. Completely agree. He's going to win. Let's do it. I might as well just end it there. But I suppose we, <laughs> we better go into the other sections. We need a couple of guys to fit in with him. That's it. Yeah. Eric Cole is going to be popular 7-4, I believe. Um I can see why I'm not going to go there. What about Robbie Shelton at 7-2? I'm not really a Robbie Shelton guy myself. but I, I, know. I know you're not, but like, didn't he play pretty well at Valero? Uh, um, did he? I skipped over his name. He's uh, very low owned, so that looks pretty good. Um, great at Valero. Horrible, the other four stars surrounding it. There you go. 15th at, 15th at Valero and nothing else. Like Maybe that's just a sign. It's just... <laughs> He, he's he's the type of southern states type player, I think, Robbie Shelton. So that this would kind of play. This is a week. Like, you've made a lot of points suggesting this as well, and I think it's really spot on. This is the week where you should ignore stats and the popular guys and just play somebody because maybe for the very small reason, even if they've missed four of their past five cuts, just stick them in the lineup because yeah. people are going to be lazy this week, get a little uh, different, and try to get an advantage. Yeah, because people are going to play, like, if, if people flash up because of their approaches or see screens week in the weak field, they're going to play them. Like it, it, and that's fine. Like, I, I completely respect that approach is how you should go about things most of the time. But like you say, this type of tournament is just going to have an air of randomness about it. Like, KH Lee's won it twice in a row at, like, 2,500 and 2,600. Like, that should tell you everything. Um, I haven't looked, like, deep into, like, all the other players, like, running form and that sort of stuff. But there's been stranger people that are kind of contended here as well. And... No, Nate Lashley's been a name that's been popular. I get that at 7-2. His approach is pretty well last week. He was, um, you know, right up there at the Wells Fargo. I think he's actually the co-leader after 36 holes. So I get him based on the fact that he's done these kind of birdie fests before. Third at the Puerto Rico earlier in the year. 20th at Riviera, I like. Um, so I do get the Nate Lashley interest from a betting perspective. Jesus, 21% at 7,200. Just play it's, somebody else. It's, it's because he's been bet on, like, a lot. Um, yeah, fuck him. Jimmy Walker, 7-1. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the only concern with him is he's playing a lot of golf. And his, like the reason he has been shit at golf for the last few years is because 
he has terrible fatigue because of Lyme disease. So maybe a fifth week in a row is a potential worry. He's playing great. Going to be very popular. Um, he's more likely of the popular guy to go to rather than um, the other one there. But I'm probably just going to avoid all popularity and anything 8,000. Well, no, besides Kim, anything like 7,500 and below that's popular this week, I'm just completely avoiding. What is Ryan Palmer's ownership looking like? Um, probably like 10%, which I think is okay. I had him start over here too. So he finished 47th on debut here, but he was 15th going into the final round. He was the 36th hole leader last year because he shot a second round 62 and a final round 66. And actually came back and made a cut last week and finished 35th in the elevated event. Uh, 66 to open, 20th going into the final week, into the weekend. That's after missing four cuts in a row. Like, I actually think he's actually a decent player at 7,100. Isn't he a Texas guy as well, Palmer? He is a Texas guy. I think it's a great play. He finished fifth here last year, um, and he he was coming off five of his past seven um, starts, had missed the cut, and the other two were 70th and 48th. And then he comes here and finishes fifth um, and then misses his next four out of five starts. So I think it's just a really good spot for him. And he's probably – he's not playing great now, but he's not playing any worse than he was when he finished fifth last year. He's one of those people like he used to be that reliable guy that couldn't win, and now he's not the reliable guy. I think people are kind of a bit afraid to play him, and I understand it. But like he's been a runner-up at the Phoenix Open, I like he's been a runner-up in this event at a different course in 2011. Um, he's been third at Colonial, another Texas event. Um, so to me, again, another top five in Phoenix. The, the type of events he likes, the fifth year last year you mentioned already, sixth for the Valero. Four for the Valero, seven for the Houston Open. Like he just he plays Texas well, he plays these types of events well, um, and he and he just he seems to be able to make a cut at some point like throughout the season and just do a little bit with it, like second round 67 of Phoenix. He could just be the guy that makes enough birdies to, to give you a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Austin Smotherman's getting a little bit of love at 71. Is gonna be popular. Yeah, I'm not a typically a smothering guy, but I bet him at uh, 250 to one just because I thought that yeah, makes some sense. Um, he's he's also a Texas guy. Yeah, um, I know he had a baby recently, and um, I think right after that kind of that whole thing was over with, his, he's finally been able to kind of get out practicing again. Um, you know, after after being home for a while. Uh, so I did have him start. He's not going to be incredibly popular, so I like that play a lot. I also yeah. had Vincent Norman start. I think he um, has played pretty well lately, and uh, just one of the courses you don't really have to have much of a short game. You can kind of get away with just ball striking your way around here. Yeah, no, I can see that. Vincent Norman, I played him. Where would I have played him? Mexico, I think it was. I played him and Nikolai Hoygaard and people like that. Like, I think he's got a good chance of doing something. The 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 high sixes are brutal. Yeah. Like, are we playing James Hahn? Uh, I'm not playing James Hahn. If you're one, not, who is going to? Like, no, yeah. One one last guy in the low sevens that I was looking yeah. at was Champ. I, I faded him last week and everyone liked him. But isn't this a place where he could just get away with, you know, bombing the shit out of it and kind of – and now he's not popular again. Last year he was really popular and uh, – last week he was really popular and um, let everybody down. Now no one's everyone's going to go away from him. I mean, like 15th two weeks ago out of Mexico, another place where you don't really have to chip or pot. You kind of just – yeah, Mike asked me on Twitter earlier what I thought of Cameron Champ, and I basically just had the answer of, I, I don't know. I, it's just my stock answer with, with Cameron Champ. I think if you're a Cameron Champ person that, that plays him, I think he's just one of those guys that you bet triple digits all the time and just 
I don't know if I ever want to put him in there. Like eventually, like the time that you put him in in DFS, generally speaking, is going to be a good result because I don't think many people, I don't think he generally plays well when he becomes popular. I don't know, I don't have the numbers to back that up, but I think if he becomes obvious, it's not, it doesn't tend to end well. I guess maybe his own expectations rise and he doesn't doesn't deal with it. But um, that's why I want to play him. Yeah, no, that makes sense. This goes back to your point of like playing people that are low owned and taking a chance to write. That's the that's the main thing. I thought about Scott Piercy, um, and I realised he doesn't play very well here, but I felt like it was going to be a good course for him. He's the type of person that can go out in a birdie first, had a second round 65 in Mexico recently, played well at the Corellas recently, but he's actually been horrible here, so I kind of left that. Um, he's hurt me too many times. He's just hurt me, like, just hurts my brain, that bloke. Yeah. Um, Oh, I don't know. Dave Michelouzi makes a load of birdies in Australia and Europe. He could be someone at 66. Um, How about Bads? He's been pretty good in Texas. Isn't he from there? Like, is he another guy that lives in Texas? Yeah. I know, I know he was a California guy for a long time, which I guess makes sense, given the fact he looks like he surfs every day. Um, yeah, no one's playing him. Um, don't Australians have a bit of an affinity with Texas as well? Am I just, yep. making that, just making it up? No, they do. They do. Leishman's won, he, uh, not here, but this event. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of Texas, like a lot of, uh, a lot of Australians live in Texas and stuff as well. So. This event. It's got to be, it's got to be a tax thing again with them, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I'll play some bads. Why not? Yeah, you could do that. Carson Young, he keeps playing well, like in flashes. Don't know if the birdie fest is kind of his jam. Uh, he killed him last week. He did, little fucker. Missed a cut by one. Yeah. What about Sean O'Hare? Yeah. He... Making no, cuts. Is he? Six out of ten cuts. 29 for the Corrales, 19 for the Valspar, 11 for Bermuda. Yeah, not bad. Six, open of a 66 in Mexico and then shot a 77 to miss the cut. I think he's he's definitely a Texas guy, isn't he? He's, he's almost certainly from there. Uh, 39th on the course two years ago. I can't actually see how that round went, um, but yeah, just a name at 6700. I don't think I can't believe I've got to pick up someone like that at 6700, but that's the the hand we've been dealt this week. Then I think it's a case of going further down and just taking a couple of chances, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Cheston is the guy who I'd like to typically play at a place like this, um, but he's been yeah, he's been pretty bad. But he was decent at Valero, gained a lot of strokes on approach, but he couldn't putt. Um, I don't know. Chad uh, Ramey? Yeah, no. Pretty sure I saw something like those sixes earlier that was kind of interesting, but I'm failing to find out who that was now. Let's have a look. I know Trey Werrell or below, whatever his name is, is just a person that can make cuts, but that's about all he can do. And I don't think a birdie vest is going to make it any easier for him. Um, Ryan Armour? No. But there you go. We're, we're, we're running out of people. Isn't it bad that Russell Knox is in amongst this tribe? It's sad. It is very sad. Um, Grayson Murray? Oh, dear. I'll tell you someone who I never, ever wanted to play, literally ever. Um, but his name keeps popping up. Martin Trainer. Yeah, it does pop up. Yeah, it's popped up a little bit. And and I kind of get it. Like he like he made the cut here last year. He's just he's a very bad golfer, so you're not going to go and see things like 
on his record that really stick out as confidence boosting, but he shot third around 65 at the Corrales, made the cut at Puerto Rico, finished 20th at Pebble Beach. Yeah. They did okay. I can't remember who who was he teamed with in the in the Zurich. I think whoever uh, it was probably carried him, but quite a question for me to know on the spot. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that's the sort of thing you know, Matt. Who like, <laughs> Martin Trainer at the Zurich? But I mean, fifth in Houston, twenty twenty one. Why do I have you on this podcast if you can't name me who Martin <laughs> like who Martin? That, you're the one that's meant to know this random shit. Just guess. Um. No, was it Victor Perez? Wow. No. Oh, Chad Ramey. No, it's Chad Ramey. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there you go. That's why you wouldn't know it. Um, hmm. The reason I thought it might be in Victor Perez is because they've got Martin and Pre- Martin training Victor Perez in the same headline on Google. Yeah. And it's because he's it's because he's French now, isn't it? Okay. He was looking for that Ryder Cup spot, but didn't get on. Richie Wierenski. Did I see him on a leaderboard recently? Probably he might have just see his guy. might have just seen his name at the bottom because he starts with W, but I don't know. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, this probably isn't great. Forty sixth uh, Mexico Open for sixty six. That's probably when you saw him. Yeah, yeah. Nah, this is you can't go down here. Like, we don't tend to just. I think what people love to do is they they love to think they're helping you out by telling you all the people to go in the sixes. I'm going to help you out and just tell you. Make sure you put your lineups together. You don't have to go any sixes because you're not going to win, I don't think. Well, yeah, and you think, I mean, you think you're, again, doing people a favor and yourself a favor. But last week, playing, trying to jam people in and then playing um, Carson Young at 6,100 in a couple of laps because I could fit in two studs at the top, like, ended up just completely fucking me. Yeah, sorry about that. No, um, I, I, was, I was completely <laughs> with you on that, too. Like, I was like, ooh, a nice cheap guy who can, who can guarantee, you know, not guarantee, but like, has made a bunch of cuts in a row, like yeah. the way the game got. You sometimes you just can't do it, and I'm not playing Scotty this week, so I have no reason to. I'm starting my lineup really low, like I said, Cooch and Power, so I don't need to go here. How about this? So, Cooch, Power, Ben Arm, Hadwin, Scott Stallings, Michael Kim. Yeah, that's great. Two hundred dollars left on the table as well. Yeah, that's all you need to do. And I think starting starting with. Kutcher and Power just leaves you so many opportunities. Like you could you could go past Benny Ann, you could put Stephen Yeager in, who I think is, you know, is impressing. You could go back to Sam Stevens, who we mentioned earlier, SH Kim. You could yeah, you could do an awful if you really want to really leave some money on the table, you could literally go Jaeger, SH Kim, Michael Kim, Kutcher, Power, Stevens, and leave twelve hundred on the table. You could. I mean, and look at the if you look at the top ten when the weeks end, I guarantee you there's not gonna be more than two guys that are above nine thousand. So let's have a look. Who was actually this this last point we're gonna make? Who was the leaders in it last year? So you had KH Lee, Speed and Matsy Armour would have been decently high. Like Lee would have been decently high because of the fact that he won the year before and Speed and Matsy Armour were obviously high. But then you had Munoz who would have been middle of the pack, Ryan Palmer would have been relatively low, I think, Xander, Justin Thomas. But you haven't got Xander Justin Thomas in this. Yeah, this bit. field is just weaker. So then when you, you want to drop down to the, the so eighth place, Charles Schwartz, or ninth place, Hahn, Malnati, Riley, and then it was Bezweden, Hout, Kucha, Noren, Bryce Garnett. Bryce Garnett was the one person I skipped over, by the way, that I thought was interesting. Okay. Um, he had, uh, what has he done recently? Because I, I basically just never play him unless it's 
by the coast. But when you look, he was 33rd in Mexico's eight for the Corrales, and then he had that 15th here last year. I thought he was potentially worth a look, Garnett. Um, so that was 2022. Those, those names are just off there. But you, again, you've not got these players, and I think it just changes everything. Like it, it's a weak event that's got weaker over the week. That, that was a hell of a sentence. Um, Actually, <laughs> <laughs> Sam Burns won two in 2021. Then it was Kaziah, Daniel Berger, Charles Schwartzel again, Scott Stallings in third, Merritt, Bramlett, Power, Redmond, Vegas, Bronson, Bagoon. Yeah. Speed. Like, it's going to happen, isn't it? Like, So Spieth's out. So, so in 2021, Spieth is not playing. Burns is not playing. Berger's not playing, which means it was KH Lee, Kaziah, Schwartzel, Stallings, Merritt, Bramlett, Power, Redmond, Vegas in the top ten. That's what I think we're going to get this time. So that's that's what you're that's basically what you're looking at because there's nothing yep. else to add. So um, let's quickly do our favourite plays. Not neither of us are doing anything over tens, um, nines. If we've got to go there, Cooch. Cooch, yep. Uh, eight. Seamus Powers eight. I'm going to go with Hadman eight one. I'm going to go Power. It would it would have been um, Spawn. 7K. We'll have a couple from here. Scott Stallings at 7.7. Michael Kim, 7.5. I like Stallings as well. I like Kim. I like Sam Stevens. And I think SH Kim is a good pivot. Yeah, I like that. And I actually think Ryan Palmer is a smart player at 7.1. 6K is brutal. So I'll go with Bryce Garnett that I mentioned there um, just quickly. I like Alex Smotherman, 7,100. Um, I'm probably going to take yeah. a flyer on champ, 73. And I'll say badly, 68. I don't mind that. Yeah, no, I think that sounds good. Michael Kim, it's great to Michael speak Kim. to you. Let's all enjoy it. Win by four, right? He will win by four. Matt, right. great time as ever, and uh, let's catch up again in the week.